What is going on, Breakthrough Success listeners? Mark Roberti, the business freelance writer here. In this episode, we're going to talk about juggling multiple clients as a freelance writer. One of the blessings with freelance writing is you have more clients, which means more income streams. If one of the clients is sidestep back out, it's not nearly as bad as if your full-time job decides to back out. So there's a lot of uh, income streams you can have, but that also comes with managing more clients and there has to be a delicate balance between having these clients and reducing stress. So that's why we're here today to talk about juggling all of these clients as a writer. Our guest who joins us today, she is a freelance writer, editor, and content marketer. She's been doing this for over 15 years. And at her company, Mace Writing, she helps people and businesses who want to find their voices and share their story. She does the writing, she does the marketing, and she is none other than Liz Heflin. Liz, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's a, it's an honor to be asked. Liz, it is a pleasure to have you on Breakthrough Success. And given the fact that you have been doing freelance writing and content marketing for over 15 years, you've had a lot of clients. Uh, some have come and gone. And uh, there's just so many moving pieces to that. I'm wondering if let's take this a little bit of a step back first, because some people, they may not have clients and they may just want to be in that situation where juggling clients is a good problem to have. I wonder if we could just go into some quick insights into getting clients for someone who wants to build up their pipeline. Sure. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of avenues you can take, obviously. So when I started out many, many years ago, Um, you know, I had nothing. I had no experience. I had no clients, no contacts, no portfolio. I mean, I was really starting from ground zero. Um, and I just, I just jumped in with both feet. I probably, you know, didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know enough to, (laughs) to think that that was a, a crazy thing to do. But, um, you know, I just, I went to job boards and I just started applying to stuff anything, you know, all just freely available job boards. I thought, oh, that sounds interesting. I could do that, you know, and, um, and then I really started getting traction because I just treated every job as an opportunity to really prove myself, you know, and so I just tried to put 100% quality into every single job that I took. And, And what happened was, I started getting recurring clients, if they had writing needs, they'd come back to me. If they knew somebody who needed a writer, they would refer me. So I was kind of in this, you know, that hamster wheel of applying, applying, applying for a pretty short amount of time because I got to get to the next step, which is where you're relying on referrals and recurring work. So, I mean, I have clients today that I started with more than 10 years ago and they are still a client today. So um, that's kind of, that's sort of one little insight that I would share is just, you know, know that that hamster wheel (laughs) of pitching and applying and just trying to get work being a full-time job in and of itself. Um, if you, if you really, if you really treat every job with quality, consistency, reliability, that you can, you can get out of that cycle, um, faster. Um, so, so I really, my, my business today relies a lot on my recurring clients and referrals. That's that's where I get a lot of my jobs from. 
I mean, for a lot of the freelance writers I've spoken with and anyone offering a freelance service, it's send as many pitches as possible. That seems to be the theme. There are ways to optimize the pitch so you increase the likelihood of someone becoming a client, but it borders to like, you're just sending a lot of pitches and there's a little nuance there, but the main idea is that you're sending a lot of pitches. Now, as you're sending these pitches, you're getting more yeses and every freelance writer as they're growing, like you have these stable clients that you're tending to, and then you have a new client who that first piece you give them is going to really make an impact. So how do you balance bringing in new clients and maybe giving them more attention versus uh, also tending to the clients who have been with you for several years? Yeah. And that's, it's an interesting balance there. Cause like when you have, a client that you've been with forever, it becomes easier and easier over time. You know their brand voice, you know their audience, you know what they like, what they don't like, what's gonna, um, you know, cause you hours of editing back and forth with them versus what they're just gonna say, yeah, green light, let's go with it. So there's that piece of it, that the, the longer you can retain a client, the more they kind of go, you know, on quote unquote autopilot, you can, it, it becomes easier. Um, so it's, it's, it's easier at that point to give a little more attention to the client that you're still trying to learn. Um, so there's, there's that aspect of it to kind of keep in mind. Um, I also like to kind of um, not keep my calendar so booked that I don't have time to do that. So uh, you know, and obviously then you need to adjust your rates accordingly that you can have less work, but still be making the kind of money you want to be making. So there's logistics there. But um, I like to make sure that I have time in any given day that if I have a new client, you know, a really interesting opportunity comes along that I can't just say, oh, no, I'm too booked to, to even talk to you. You know, I always want to give myself a bit of leeway and, and, and time there. Um, so I think that's a, that's a, that's a piece of it too. Yeah. I mean, the rates are really important. When I first got started, like I was doing some stuff at two cents a word, which is not what you want to be doing for your whole career uh, sure. at all, but it's a way to get your feet wet and you get something to much more respectable as you go. Yes. Uh, I'm wondering if you could share with us some, um, if you've ever had to say no to clients and good paying clients, like not like a two cent per word, but uh, how you manage, like if someone reaches out to you today uh, and, and gives like a reasonable rate based on what you charge, what, like, how do you ever say no to some people because of the demands that you have? Like, how does that work when you get something good that, you know, Sure. And I don't think I've ever had to say no to somebody who was um, an ideal client. So, you know, money, of course, is one piece of the ideal client. You know, if I'm getting red flags in any other area, then, yeah, I've absolutely said no to people. You know, I, I didn't think that they were on board with content in the way that I wanted to produce it. That's a big problem. That's a stumbling block, right? Um, I didn't think that they were somebody that I would enjoy working with. That's a problem. And content is a very collaborative process. And if you don't like and trust that client, that's a problem, <laughs> right? So, um, so I've said no to clients for that sort of reason. But I think I've always had enough of a buffer 
um, that I've built in, you know, deliberately, consciously built into my to schedule that if if the right thing comes along, I can slot it in. And if I'm if I'm really packed, I can sort of add them in until sort of one of my lower tier clients, somebody who I would maybe be looking to drop anyway, or, um, you know, I've kind of outgrown them or you know, whatever, whatever the case might be, you know, things change over the years um, that I can take the new client on at the top, kind of run out scope on the on the other clients and then sort of drop them and it just sort of keeps building in, in that way. And I mean, just the fact that you're in a position where you can say no, uh, yeah. if the content, like that is a very powerful feeling and you get there by setting enough pitches, you get enough clients and then you're looking at your rate and you say, I'm going to charge more for this next client because there's yeah. less risk if the person says my rate's too high. Uh, but with all these clients, like there is this extra workload and not only do you have to contend with the workload, you also have to contend with surprises. So you can yeah. get sick. <laughs> Uh, yes. <laughs> there are a lot of things that could happen. Uh, so freelance writers, like we, we want to like get everything done by the deadline. We want to be perfect in that regard, but it's something that doesn't always happen. I'd say it, we're pretty good, like 90% of the time, if not more, but, uh, what advice would you have for someone who is feeling very overworked and is a little nervous about hitting the deadlines for some of their assignments? Sure. Yeah. I mean, deadlines are you really want to treat them as, as ironclad agreements. I think that's one of the things that clients are really, really looking for. That's, that's how you get those one-off clients to become recurring clients. If you are good at what you do, you're giving a quality deliverable, but you can also consistently hit that deadline. That's just, they'll never want to let you go, right? Because <laughs> that's hard to find. Now, that being said, we're all human. Things happen you get sick, kids get sick, the dog gets sick. I mean, you know, stuff comes up, right? So I think it's just about being proactive and being communicative. So if, if you, if you see that there's going to be a problem coming down the road, don't think, oh, I can still meet the deadline. I can still meet the deadline. If you know, it's going to be a problem, let them know, let them know as early as you possibly can just be open and honest and say like, Hey, here's the situation. Something came up. And, you know, can we bump the deadline to, to X? And I've been, in my experience, people have been, you know, I've had emergencies come up in my life and it's, it's happened. Um, and, and in my experience, clients have been very understanding, especially if, it, if it's not happening all the time, right? Like you use this as, this is, there was truly an emergency. Something really came up. You know, this isn't your go-to <laughs> tactic. If there's a base of trust there, I think people are, you know, humans are humans are humans. And, um, and, and people are pretty understanding about that kind of stuff as long as you give them warning. And the communication is very important between the freelance writer and the client. I mean, Liz yeah. hit that point very well. And you do have to be on top of your deadlines at least 90% of your time because that's one of the things that people are looking for. Uh, one of the things, like when it comes to juggling clients, I think part of it is also if you have enough clients, you're happy with the income you make, you're happy with the hours and stuff like that. But there's always this idea of what if the client leaves? Because that's something that's a little more out of your control. You could produce great content, but the client may have different goals. How do you balance like you've got a stacked roster of clients with 
some prospecting. So if one person leaves, you could quickly get that next client. If you do like, how does that part work? Sure. Yeah. So I, I think probably about a year and a half ago, you know, I had this steady base of clients. I was just kind of humming along and it really did hit me. Like, what if everyone just decided one day <laughs> to pack up and leave? And like, you know, it hasn't happened. It, it's really kind of never happened to me, um, you know, knock on wood, but it's a possibility. And I, and I was like, I think I need to, to diversify a little bit, to hedge my bets a little bit. Um, and, and my response to that was to jump onto LinkedIn, which I had never used before. Not, you know, I had a page that I never visited and I never updated or anything. And so I, I went to LinkedIn and I started, started posting content and I started building an audience and I, I started getting a pipeline for some inbound leads, things that I hadn't done in a while, you know, all doing it through, through brand building and things. So, um, and then I also developed some assets and things as, you know, some, some downloads and assets and courses and things that can be a passive income stream, quote unquote, passive. That's a, that's a topic for another day. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I think diversification is just really important, you know, even, so obviously you don't want to have just one client who's all or the even the lion's share of your income you want um ideally you want a lot of clients um spread out you know you want to spread out that financial risk a bit in case anything happens and then even beyond clients if you can find other ways to to steadily bring in leads and and you know inbounds a good way to do that you know you can you can blog if you want and bring in inbound leads that way you can build your brand on LinkedIn you can do a lot of things to get um attention on you and eyes on your business and what you do and and then that can just kind of be running in the background while while you have your steady base kind of as a just in case and if and if interesting things come of it right so you know I've had clients come to me through LinkedIn that opportunities I didn't expect and, you know, and I was able to kind of slot them, slot them in. So diversification is really, really key. I mean, the great thing about a personal brand is that you don't know who is reading your content or watching your videos or listening to your podcast episodes, and it can be a potential client. I've seen a lot of freelance writers, and this is how I've connected with some of the people who've come on Breakthrough Success recently. I've seen a lot of people, a lot of freelance writers in particular, uh, being active on LinkedIn using that platform. Uh, is there a reason that you and maybe some of the other freelance writers like prioritize LinkedIn over something like Facebook, Instagram, or any of the other ones? Sure. I'm, I am, I will preface this by saying I do a lot of social media work for clients. I personally, as a, as my own human being, I don't like social media. <laughs> I, I'm not on it. I don't like it. I just, I, I don't I think it brings that kind of value to my personal life. Um, so, um, so I didn't, I didn't want to be on a platform that I didn't enjoy being on. So I knew that I wasn't going to be spending my time on Twitter. I knew I wasn't going to be spending my time on Facebook because that's not what I enjoyed. Um, and I'd never really been on LinkedIn before. So I said, okay, let me start poking around here. And I was just, I was just immediately blown away. There's so many people on there, so insightful, so smart, so, um, you know, advanced in their careers and sharing so freely so much of what they know. 
Um, and I was, you know, I've been in this business a long time, but I was learning so much from people who just had these really incredible insights. And um, I just thought, okay, this is, this is a place that I actually enjoy being. I kind of found my, I found my social media tribe. Um, and so, and so I, I said, okay, yeah, I'm going to go, go all in on this. So I've been, I've been adding my voice to that conversation and I, I really can't say enough good things about it. I've been very surprised at every turn, um, the opportunities that have come of it, the education, the people I've met, the, the real relationships and things that you build with people there. It's, I've, I've been, it, it gets the big seal of approval from, from me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, LinkedIn is a really good social network. That could, it could be a whole other episode, but uh, just the idea that LinkedIn is a place where you're able to get inbound leads and present yourself like in a professional way, whereas other social networks may focus more on the personal side. Mm-hmm. It does help a lot of freelance writers. And it is a trend that I've been seeing a lot more as well. Sure. And and it's it's interesting, too, because you don't have to be, you know, it's not so buttoned up. It's not completely devoid of, of personality or anything like that. But it just it does feel like at least in the circle that I found and that I've connected with, it feels like a more supportive, encouraging educational platform um, than you might find on some of the other social networks. Well, Breakthrough Success listeners, if you want to get an idea of what LinkedIn looks like, definitely make sure you connect with Liz. Um, I'm wondering, Liz, uh, we will have the LinkedIn in the show notes, but are there any other places that we should be going to to follow your work and journey? Um, sure. Yeah. LinkedIn is always a good one. Um, and then you can always just feel free to go to my website. That's www.macewriting.com. That's a good place to, to reach out to me too as well. Well, break your success listeners. Those links are in the show notes. Visit Liz's website, connect with her on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm connected with her on LinkedIn and I enjoy her posts. Uh, Liz, thank you so much for joining us on Breakthrough Success. It was a pleasure to have you here today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me.